Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. Uh, I am Matt, and with me this week are Joe and Liz, my fantastic co-hosts, and also the people I'm hoping eventually we we find an ape, and then all four of us will get hit by cosmic rays. I'm never letting the fantastic four go, jokes go, guys. <laughs> never letting it happen. But why um, an ape, though? Well, because of the Red Ghost and his super apes. Remember, the Red Ghost got his. That super is ape? such a deep cut. Yeah, well, you know, it's me. But the Red Ghost only ha- had three super apes. Because he didn't have three other people he could convince to go into space with him and get hit with cosmic rays. So I'm thinking, I got you two, so I only need one ape. Like, But if one of you backs out, then I'll have to. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure we can convince Mitch. Mitch seems like he'd be on board with experimentation with weird, weird gamma rays. Hold on. I didn't. I don't want to bring Mitch along because then Mitch would have superpowers and I don't think the world can handle it. (laughs) That's that's fair. Like, uh, but, but regardless, a ton of stuff happened. A lot of it literally happened today. Um, and a lot more of it was announced last week after we did the last podcast. So there's there's a good deal of stuff to talk about. Um, I'm going to just try jumping straight into it. First off, um, this is one that Liz reminded us of that, that's basically going away. Uh, I th- you should maybe be able to hear of it by the time this gets recording goes out. But if you're listening to us live, to the 7th, you can get four tier steps in Diablo 4 Season 1. Uh, just by going to Amazon Prime. It's a straight up just an Amazon Prime deal. Go there, hook up your account. Boom. You you have four tier skips. It's very much worth getting them because the tier skips are for the Battle Pass for Season 1. And I've been playing the Battle Pass pretty regularly. I just finished the campaign. Uh, and I'm only about halfway through the Battle Pass with like about a month to go. Now, I'm not the most active player. Uh, because there are 1,700 other games I'm trying to play at the same time. Yeah, uh, Starfield is tomorrow, guys. Um, help me. But regardless, <laughs> you know, it's a it's a good thing to do because they're free. They cost you nothing. And tier skips, ordinarily, in order to get them, you have to basically pay the platinum, which is the 
the currency that you get for money mm-hmm. and you can just do it. And that's just amazing to me. And, and I definitely think you should, you should take a look and, and try that out. If you are playing Diablo 4. There um, are so, there are so many tiers. So yes. You want to collect all the rewards. It's, it's kind of a lot. So yeah. anything uh, that can speed that up. Also though, I'm going to mention this overwatch two has now started another promotion on Amazon prime where they're selling their battle pass five tier skips. Yeah. Like and it's the same deal. You just, you just hook it, hook it up to your account. Boom. And you've got five tier skips. I think overwatch that's even better because I think the overwatch battle pass is, I think more rigorous and it is also like they tie characters to it. So if you necessarily, if you want to get like the, the latest character when it comes out, this is a good thing to have. It's good to have the tier skips it hooked up so you can get through it faster. I'm trying to look at what else we've got for the uh, for Amazon Prime. I think we've also got the Tabard of Brilliance is still going till the twenty eighth yes. of of September. I should also mm-hmm. mention the times the tier skips in Overwatch two are till the twenty first um, of of September. Uh, what else have we got going on for this? I don't want to. Uh, yeah, this Hearthstone's got one as well. I think Hearthstone's uh, got three a three card mini pack that you can get. That's um, yeah, three card uh, three card standard pack until September twentieth. So that's that's also going on. And Hearthstone seems to have always, you know, there's yeah. a pack or a random epic card or a random legendary card. Anytime you log on to Amazon Prime Gaming and check, there's usually some kind of Hearthstone card reward you can grab. Yeah, and and so I wanted to make sure we get that one. There's also a Twitch drop, which I believe they announced last Thursday, and uh, uh, just started today with uh, the rollout of WoW patch ten point one point seven. Yeah, and it's the dashing buccaneer slops, um, which is basically just a fancy way of saying pirate clothes. Um, I don't know why they call them slops, but I'm sure somebody who's more into pirates would be able to explain that to you. <laughs> Uh, but that's from as Liz pointed out today. It started today as we're recording this when the uh, patch dropped, and it's going to the twelfth, which is exactly seven days later. So till next Tuesday, um, you will be able to get this transmog, which is very piratical. I looked at it. Yep, yep, looks like something pirates would wear. So yeah, th- and that's uh, that's a Twitch drop. So you have to actually watch. Uh, is it like still four it's, hours, or do they? It's four hours. It's four yeah. hours of WoW content. Yeah, so you got to go find some people playing WoW on Twitch and watch four hours of them doing that, and then then you have it, uh, which is, I think, pretty nice. But since we're talking about that, we should mention this one, um, which I both Liz and I knew we were going to mention when our different uh, news post things we write for the email. Fury Incarnate is the current season. It's a sorry, season one. What am I saying? Season. It's the current <laughs> pad. It's ten point one point seven. And it's out right now. It started on the 5th, which is today as we're recording this. And it's got a lot of stuff in it. Um, like a lot of stuff in it. I was looking at it like earlier today and the the, the list of all the various things. I'm just going to rattle them. You guys, either you want to rattle them off or you want me to do it. You do it. Okay. Liz? Go for it. All right. Obviously, the first thing we've got is the story continues, which is new quests and, and rewards. That's that's standard for any of these little patches. They They give you... Uh, more of the story of the expansion and they've been doing a pretty pretty hectic clip on that so yeah um the mega dungeon from the last patch is now going to be had a heroic difficulty i believe that's the the time one right uh, i can't remember the yes. name of it. <laughs> i haven't well, i haven't got to do it because i have been playing diablo 4 and uh, stuff, so. that would be dawn of the infinite it's dawn of the infinite that heroic difficulty which you can queue for in the dungeon finder and it also breaks it up into two wings, Galakrond's Fall and Murazan's Rise. So, so if you haven't gotten to see it yet, 
it's a good time to jump in and get a look at it when it's just heroic difficulty, which is a bit easier to run than than mythic, since you don't have to. Mythic requires you to like you know queue up specifically and put all that. Whereas heroic, yeah, you got to you got to go to the dungeon entrance. That's a lot of work. Yeah, find your own group. Uh, one thing that they've mentioned is yet another round of holiday updates is coming for both Brewfest and Hollow's End. I don't know what they entail, but I do know that that's one of the things they listed. Um. um Hallow's End is getting a pretty big quest overhaul. There's a new quest line about kind of the origin of the Headless Horseman. And uh, the Headless Horseman encounter itself has gotten a revamp, including a new hard mode. So I'm I'm interested to see just something new, something that shakes that up. Yeah, Only and I- that is a very old encounter, by the way. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only thing I've read about Brewfest is new rewards, so I'm not sure if there's... A lot of new content or changes coming, but it's definitely new rewards. So, new also stuff. so nice. I love stuff. Well, they also added in the ping system as a UI feature, which um, if you've played other games, you kind of know what a ping system is. Diablo 4 has something similar. Um, I think Apex Legends is one of the ones that really popularized a, a, a robust ping system. I know Overwatch stole it uh, for Overwatch 2. It, it's basically that kind of thing. You, you you know the basic gist of it, but they, they've put one of those in. Uh Sometime in October, this won't be current, like it's not going to be until October, but the Eastern Kingdoms is getting a similar to the Kalimdor Cup. It's going to be the Eastern Kingdoms Cup, which is dragon riding in the Eastern Kingdom. Uh, so yeah, you're going to be able to fly okay. around and do dragon riding races in the EK. And uh, I mean, the most interesting thing I think about the dragon riding races is, of course, you get transmog rewards. Uh, well, you earn it so you with buy transmog rewards, which is, of course, the only thing I care about. Yeah, I mean, it is the reason for the game. Uh, yeah, I I didn't have time to complete the Kalimdor Cup, so you can still get the Kalim. I know you can still get the Kalimdor Cup transmog set from the Eastern Kingdoms races. So I'm I'm glad to know that I have not completely missed out on that set, and neither have you, dears, if you did not do the Kalimdor Cup when it was available. Yeah, and then there's going to be one thing I'm going to mention really fast because it's you know the uh, Draenei, Forsaken, and High and Night Elves. You're going to get a few more customization options. Um, for instance, I'm seeing red skin here on one Draenei, so you know mm-hmm, ooh, mm-hmm, your you can... your Manari fantasy can finally be somewhat of a reality, but not really. You can't actually be a Redar, <laughs> but you can look like one. Um, the uh, also there's um, heritage armor for both Night Elves and Forsaken. The Forsaken one is interesting to look at. I'm not sure what it's going for. Um, yeah, I was a little confused by that too. I was looking at it today when I, like I logged in briefly. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it just feels kind of like. Do you remember like this is a another deep cut? But do you remember back in the when World of Warcraft first came out and the tier two armor all kind of had placeholder skins on them? This looks like that to me. It looks like placeholder skins. It looks like, hey, this looks Death Knight ish. Look at the skull belt. Look at the skull pauldrons. Look at the skull gloves. You guys like skulls, you, right? Do you know what? Okay. Do you know what it reminds me of? And it's particularly because of the boots, I think, and the leggings. It reminds me of the character design from a John, like a John Bluth film or Don Bluth film. Okay. Yeah. Don Bluth. Okay. Yeah. 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 It, it, it reminds me of like characters like that or like characters from. Um, like the Dragon's Lair game. Dragon's Lair and Sword in the Stone in that era of like animation. Uh, because it's like it's very exaggerated and it's very uh, maybe it is they're just going for the old school um how forsaken were like in the concept art for classic wow or vanilla wow back in the olden days kind of going for that exaggerated animated thing but yeah it just it doesn't do it for me 
the the fact that the female forsaken armor has like essentially like a a tank top with like well, a hood a and sleeves, which is yeah, it's definitely a problem. But what if what if I want that on my my male forsaken? I, I'm going to comment there that actually lately with armor sets, Blizzard has been doing kind of like, okay, pick your like, um, like, you know, maybe they're going to be a set with like hot pants, like normal pants. And it's like, okay, either gender can like pick different transmog options. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's the case with this, but maybe it is. Maybe there are a few different looks that you can pick, whether you're male or female, and, you know, go with what you want, despite character. That's what I hope this is, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, but I do, we, like, I do I, like how Blizzard's been doing that, though. I will say that the Night Elf uh, heritage armor, well, I mean, on the one hand, it is practically from the original World of Warcraft cinematic, if you've ever seen it. It is. I actually have the, I have the, uh, the toy of Chandra Southermoon from Series 1 that they yeah. that is in, essentially, that armor. And uh, so that's great. And also, it's, it's even more revealing on, the, <laughs> on Jude Night Elves than it is on... on As on it should be. Elves. Well, yeah, I, I just I like the fact that, you know, you want to be walking around basically in like a very intricately um, filigreed G string. <laughs> Here's your group. The night elves have you covered, my friend. Well, oh, no, they don't. They don't have you covered. They have you completely uncovered. If that's what you want. Um, I play a night elf. Uh, I honestly, I don't know that I'm going to use the heritage armor, but I am determined to get it. Uh, but since we're talking about that, we should also mention there's also the. I don't know, like it's they've had these all expansion these these events that they bring in with each new patch. Uh, this one is called it's a public event called the Dream Surges, and it's basically based around the storyline of the uh, new world tree that's been growing since uh, since basically the end of uh, Shadowlands and the beginning of Dragon Ride, uh, Dragon. Uh, I want to say Dragon Riding and not Dragonflight. Wow. Brain doesn't want to say Dragonflight, but regardless, it's it's a storyline that's been there for a while and it's finally kind of coming together uh, along with this story. So it's a pretty big patch and I've left out a ton of things just because it's a big patch. Um, this is usually the part where I ask you guys what you're interested in. I'll just say right now that I'm interested in the Dream Surge stuff and the uh, Night Elf Heritage armor. Uh, so what about you guys? Uh, I'm going to go with Liz first. Um... There's one tiny Holy Paladin change that I'm interested in, in which they have changed talent to, like, uh, always give you some Holy Power, whereas it used to be you have a chance to generate Holy Power depending on the health of your target when you heal them. And, you know, that's kind of annoying and unreliable, but now it's just like, heal them, you will get a Holy Power. I'm into that. That's great. Uh, But that's actually pretty tiny. And with the Paladin revamp, I kind of feel like I have a lot of Holy Power, but I'm still for it. I'm, I'm, always pro holy power there's yeah. one thing that i'm surprised you did not mention matt which is that uh blizzard is bringing back a lot of pre-cataclysm transmogs they said that hundreds of world drops and rare drops that you can no longer get are coming back to the game i don't know uh, uh, i don't guys, know exactly I, which i'm ones, sorry that but... i have to leave right now <laughs> i will talk to you later uh joe your host <laughs> I, I've been playing a lot of other games. It's it's very hard to keep track of everything. Oh, my God. And there's, like you said, there's so much in this patch. We consider these kind of like, you know, we would consider 10.2 the next big patch for the game. But 10.1.5 no. was a big patch. 10.1.7 is a big patch. They've been doing all the patches they've been doing. Like yeah, the, they're the, huge. Yeah, they, they all these patches, Then maybe they don't have a ton of like, they don't have new raid or whatever. But yeah, no, they've they've every patch at least going back to to 1005 
we're, we're looking at a pretty substantial patch and they've all been that way. So yeah, I, this is honestly one of the reasons that, you know, the reason I'm not playing is because I don't really have a reliable raid group and that's mostly my fault for being blind. Uh, but it's, so it's like one of those things where I just, I don't have anybody to play with and therefore it's, I, I can go and do all the solo stuff, but if I'm going to be doing all the solo stuff, I might as well play Diablo four where I, the game feels more based on solo. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's, but I think, I still think Dragonflight's one of the best expansions. The lore has been amazing. I've really been enjoying it. Uh, I just haven't gotten a chance, but yeah, um, looking right now, I think the next one coming up is a uh, 10.2 is yeah. after this. And that, that'll probably be on the PTR soon. Yeah. Like usually they're like Very, a week, within a week. I definitely expect to hear more about this week and possibly a PTR as well. I mean, it might be tomorrow because we're recording the podcast yeah. on a Tuesday. Yeah, right. it may already be out by the time you listen to this. So almost certainly, because that's what they do to us. Yeah, but yeah. it's like we're gonna we're gonna hang up on this podcast call and then like right then just gonna announce ten point two, even though it's gonna be like ten o'clock. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's what happens. <laughs> We've actually had it at least once or twice happen where Liz interrupted the podcast to tell us that while we were talking <laughs> about something that they announced it. So that has happened. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know. That's how it goes. But uh, okay, I'm looking around. We've actually mentioned all this stuff, so we should talk about the Wrath Classic stuff because we haven't really mentioned the Wrath Classic news. Um, hardcore mode's already out. We already we already told you about that in the, in the past. But right now, patch 3.4.3 is on the PTR uh, with the Ice Around Citadel content for Wrath Classic, and along with that being on the PTR, they've basically said Joyous Journeys is going to last through ICC. It's coming out. It'll be out during the ICC release and until further notice. So basically Wrath Classic is going to have 50% XP boost potentially until they decide what they're doing after Wrath Classic, whatever that is going to be. And I have no idea what it's going to be. I, I, I tell the joke, but I honestly don't think it's going to be cataclysm classic because come on guys. Uh, But regardless, it is interesting to me that they've basically said 50% XP for everybody. And just, just for just forever and until we decide not <laughs> i mean we've seen classic roll out joyous journeys before it's uh like you said it's a 50 percent buff, and usually they roll it out before big new content patches like they might roll it out up to a big release mm-hmm. they might roll it out before a new expansion or before a new patch is going to come out. Yeah, if, if, a raid, done... yeah. if a raid is coming, they like to get people a chance to switch characters and, and level up. Yeah. But yeah, they, they, they haven't done this. Yeah. Until further notice, you just get 50% bonus XP until further notice. Uh, could the people doing WoW Classic like move over to the Diablo 4 team and do the <laughs> same thing? Just break in one night, guys. Yeah, just just break in and like just you know, casually just pass- casually mention it over lunch. It's fine. <laughs> And then when they I mean, like, you know, we don't, we can do that. Oh, I'm sorry. Your lunch has been drugged. And then they'll, <laughs> then they'll wake up like BA from the 18. Please, going, oh, please I'm note that we here at Blizzard Watch do not condone putting any form of narcotics into any beverage or food. Yes, that's true. We do not. Also, we should mention, because we haven't really talked about it, this, this podcast where I think we're right now, we're uh, five, six days into, as we're recording, six we're six days, days into yeah. the secrets of Azeroth and the, Remaining seven or eight, the remaining eight days will be until the 13th. So it's going from, I believe it was August 31st and it's coming through September until you hit September 13th. And, uh, there's, I, I have honestly not been paying attention to the secrets of Azeroth. I feel kind of bad. Um, quite frankly, it's for one thing, it's my job. And 
for another thing, it's interesting, but I've just, you know, like I said, lots of other stuff I'm trying to do at the same time. Yeah, um, I'm having I'm having that same problem. I find Secrets of Azeroth really interesting because it feels like Blizzard is looking at like the WoW Secrets Discord that's always hunting down secrets and weird things. And there's always, you know, that's a really engaged community that's really interested in this stuff. And it feels like Blizzard is going in and trying to encourage this behavior, trying to build it into the game rather than it being just a community-driven effort. Oh, we put something exciting in the game. Because now they're like releasing clues every day to help you find this secret, to find this or that in the game world. It's a big scavenger hunt, which is kind of what the secret finding community is already, except that's all player-driven and this is all Blizzard slowly feeding you clues specifically. And I, I, I haven't decided how I feel about that. Yeah, I mean, I believe, Joe, you were the one talking to me about that when we first heard that they were doing it, right? Maybe? I don't know. I talk about a lot of stuff, Matt. It's Don't <laughs> yeah. ask me to remember things. Well, I'm going to have to, because I don't remember exactly what you said, and I don't want to say you said things, but you didn't say them. So try and say what you said, and if not, make up something else to say. I don't remember. <laughs> don't mean, yeah, I, I've, I don't know. <laughs> but regardless, um, it is interesting because it is there's a difference between emergent gameplay and engineered gameplay yeah yeah the, the secrets discord obviously it's engineered to a degree the stuff that they've been finding because blizzard has been putting it into the game mm-hmm. but the gameplay that was emerging was people how do people find this yeah it became almost like an uh an uh, augmented reality uh thing yeah, the, the, the wild secrets over like we, have, we have, liz and i have a guild member who's like super into that um i'm talking about you corv um and like he is absolutely insane with the le- leaps of logic he makes uh that not only him but like the rest of that discord do and it is it is impressive absolutely impressive yeah i mean it's i remember when people were finding out uh the first one that i remember is that that horse you could get that you had to go down into Carazon and go to the you know yep. under Carazon part the original one and it is yeah there, there's just a lot of stuff that you you only know it pets mounts yeah like there's so many things and i think i think the event itself is is i think it's fine like it's just i think one of the biggest problems with the wow secret finding group is even though it is emergent gameplay and it's something that that organization of of people uh have been doing for a while now is it can be very daunting as a player where you maybe you want to be involved and you don't want to just wait for the you know, the guide to be released, because that's what they generally do once they figure it all out. But I don't know if you've ever been on that Discord or tried to. It is, sometimes it is insane. Sometimes it is just absolutely bonkers with how much information is flowing back and forth with people, like, testing stuff and going through theories and working together and, like, parsing code and doing all sorts of other stuff. This makes it a little more mainstream, sure, but is that really such a bad thing? I'm not, I'm not saying it's not a bad thing. I'm saying that I don't know. And I think that that's... I think it makes it more accessible is really what I'm saying, right? It is yeah. more accessible. It's just a question of how much accessibility is going gonna, is gonna to preserve the fun aspect of it. And that's not me saying that the accessibility is bad because we all know that I like accessibility. I'm just wondering in terms of people who are really into this, what, what their opinion is of how it's playing out. Yeah, and I think I think that I think it might not be for those people. I think that those people will still be going on for like the deep secrets, and I think that's what they'll focus on. And I'm sure, and I'm actually curious, like when we our our raid day is the day after our current recording of this, 
if Corv is around, I'm going to ask him what he thinks about it because I'm really curious as well as with you is my my gut tells me they're not going to, for the most part, they're not going to care. They're just going to kind of do their own thing and they're going to leave this for the rest of the people. And I yeah, think that makes sense. Yeah. Um, that's my gut because that group tends to be, they kind of be in their own little world anyway. And they don't really like, it's not really going to be like, Oh, they're, they're taking away our secrets. Cause there's still plenty of stuff for them to dig through and find. Right. Well, yeah, there's at least two things that Blizzard has said no one has found yet. Yeah. And they've been working on that for, for a while. Right. So uh, I will say, though, that I am envious of Joe's gut for being so eloquent because my gut says things like Doritos. <laughs> or, I don't feel good. Now we have to go bathroom. And meanwhile, his gut's making predictions about World of Warcraft. His gut's a lot more useful than mine, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Although, I guess eating food is something I have to do or I die. Thanks, biology. Uh, but yeah, we got that out of the way, I think. We've talked about that probably enough for now. Although, I do want to point Kingdom out. Eastern Kingdom Cup Dragon Racing? Yeah, I just before we get talking about that, I did want to mention because I was just looking at what the current uh, secret is. The most recent one seems to be uh, the day six one is the Idol of Onara. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to go back and get every single one that we've already had because we've already had like five days, but the six day Idol of Onara. So if you're trying to keep up with that, uh, there's a write up of it online. Uh, and it's interesting. I think it's pretty cool. So yeah, um, there's also, generally speaking, um, now that we're going to talk about the. Uh, the Eastern Kingdoms Cup. I am curious, how much harder do you think it might have been to to design dragon riding for the Eastern Kingdoms as opposed to Kalimdor? At least a lot of Kalimdor is fairly samey in terms of what it looks like. Uh, Eastern Kingdoms tends to be weirdly like... Okay, so I've been thinking about this a lot. Uh, for whatever reason, and I don't know why, I've been kind of poking around the old world when I can't sleep and just kind of like looking how things are laid out. And it is really interesting of the shift in design philosophy, even with the rework from Cataclysm to where we are now. Where we are now, zones kind of seamlessly flow into each other. They have, uh, and this started with, um, really, with Burning Crusade. Because, like, when you go from Hellfire Peninsula into Zanger Marsh, there's this border that sort of blends the two. And yes, there's still a division, but in Classic and Vanilla WoW, all the zones were almost all the zones. I don't want to say all the zones. Almost all the zones were hard gated. So to the point where there's actually even lore explaining yes. why Castle yeah, yeah. looks that way. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, but they're like, there are only specific areas that you could go through. It's definitely a world design for not flying. Uh, because you can, if you like, and I would encourage everybody to do this at some point, go and look at the old world on a flying mount and, Look at, like, as you're flying over a mountain, look how you would normally get through that passage or how you would get to the next zone on the ground. It wasn't really designed for it. And as a result, uh, all of those feel very distinctly separated. But then you have zones that are, you know, huge mountains around them completely flat everywhere else, right? Like, um, or, or completely dense with trees or completely... When you go and you're actually flying through them, you realize that aside from these large trees, there's not really a whole lot of features, especially in the Eastern Kingdom. Kalimdor, on the other hand, seemed to lean more into a, I don't want to say a one with nature-ish aspect. And while there is a certain element of that division, whether there's ravines or rivers or mountains that divide it, uh, there's still areas that are not completely flat. When they did the rework, you can go through like, you know, 
what it was the like crossroads and, and those areas and there are visually interesting things to experience there are mountains in the middle of the zones it's not completely flat terrain maybe you're going to find a swamp maybe you're going to find a marsh maybe you're going to find a desert but anybody like, who ever went from stormwind to uh the burning steps or the blasted lands will always remember as you're flying over what is elwyn forest you start going up mm-hmm. this is again this is not a flying this is not on a flying mount this is originally uh, taking the, 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 taxi. the Griffin. As you fly over it, you can look down and see a bunch of soldiers fighting a black dragon. Mm-hmm. And it was in a place where you just physically could not get to. Yeah. There was no way to get the, there except to wall walk, which was at the time, you know, they, they could literally kick you off of the, of the server if you used it. Or you could just, you know, that was it. Uh, let's just fly over and see it. Like there was the like just going over some of the things that I remember from back in the day, the critter plateau. I actually took a video and did an article for one of the the old sites of it back when hosting video was a thing. Um, like getting to it and getting there at a specific time, it was just a thing that they put in there that was a hidden secret, or for them, for the developers, that players weren't meant to go see until we got flying and then we were able to go see it. Um, or the hidden troll village uh, near uh, Ironforge, right? Or the other one in Darkshore. Yeah. There was one that was up in Darkshore and that did they put quests in it in Cataclysm, but for like the first you know, it, it was just, just existed. there. Yeah, because you flew over it. Because it was like either stuff that they were building for testing or like a lot of the stuff was leftovers be like when they were figuring out like how trolls were gonna be or what the troll starting area was gonna be. And so like they did these villages and designed them, put them in, and then ultimately changed it, but left them in because it was either too hard to pull them out, or it was something like an interesting Easter egg to leave behind. And then yeah, eventually cool they got, to look at or whatever. Yeah. And then eventually they got worked in there. So I think I think the Eastern Kingdoms is harder to make. Coming full circle, uh, Eastern Kingdoms is harder to make dragon racing events visually stimulating, and so I think that they're choosing where they're going with it. A little bit better, but it's also one of those things where I think dragon riding in general in the Eastern Kingdoms will never be as good as it would be mm. in Kalimdor, except now that they've added ground skimming, so that's a thing. But you know, it—that's well, just my opinion. Liz, now that we've both talked a lot, and <laughs> you, now you get to jump in. What do you think? Uh, I'm just—I'm I—I'm looking forward to checking it out. I think it's very interesting because, as Yalapo said, these zones were not designed for. They were not designed for dragon riding. So it's going to be interesting to view them from different angles. I think I said the exact same thing about the Kalimdor Cup. It's just, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Blizzard modifies this old content for the new content and how it plays out. Because there are there are lots of interesting places in the Eastern Kingdoms. And I, I'm really curious to see how they look from the back of a dragon. Well, you mentioned something I wanted to actually ask about. Like hmm. your feelings on you mentioned that you can get the currency to buy the calendar stuff during this event. Mm-hmm. But right now we have no news of any further events past this one. We do um, not. And that means that when this one stops, will there be a, like, will you still have a way to get that stuff? Can you, how can you do that? If you can't do dragon riding in those zones anymore, do you think there should be? And what, if so, what do you think it should be? Do you think they should just keep putting in new dragon riding events? Like, you know, now we go to Northrend. Now, you know, now we go to Pandaria. Fly your dragon in Pandaria. Your dragon has no idea why it's there, but hey, who cares? I feel like this is going to turn into a regular event, you know, like they do time walking. Like, okay, this week we have Wrath time walking. Next week we have uh, 
uh, Pandaria time walking. You know, I I just feel like this is, you know, this is too big of, a, of an event for them to just be one and done with it. I think it's going to come back. So and you think I, they're going to just bring back like Kalimdor and then rotate maybe like, like yeah, this? Yeah, I think we're going to rotate. And maybe maybe we'll get Northrend. Maybe we'll get Pandaria. I think it would be really cool to just go through every expansion continent and do some for each of them and uh, just cycle through them, just like we do with Time Walk. Which interesting because you could totally do like a, the Black Dragonflight hosts a series of races in Outland. And we could get to see where the Black Dragonflight. See, I think that'd been. be really cool. Yeah. Okay. I'm into it. I'm into it. I, I'm like the worst dragon rider ever. I'm so bad. I just. That's how long as I'm living. Someday we will have a race to determine which of us is worst. It's, I, I just, it's trees. Trees are my nemesis. And I am always running into them. And then I slowly drift to the ground. And then I don't have any more vigor to keep flying. And then it kicks me back to the start of the race because I'm walking on the ground. Yeah, um, yeah I've had that happen. So, I mean, I, I try to dragon race, but I'm not good at it. But I, still I, I always miss really, the booster things. That's what gets uh, me. Like, I, I don't like getting the booster things because you're moving very fast. And I can't, I don't always turn fast enough to dodge things or get through the ring. So sometimes I'm like, no, I don't want that booster. I want to be going a little more slowly. Yeah, for me, it's just that I can't. I can't seem to achieve the, the proper flow. I, I do want to mention, like, we got a lot of other stuff to talk about here. Um, we're going to get the, uh, there's been more Trader's Tender um, transmog purchases. It's the Scholarly Pursuit set, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Um, it basically looks like what you'd expect. It lo- looks, it's, you know. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's Mage Roby. Yeah, Mage yeah, Mage Roby. That's, yeah. that's our new, we've, we've invented a word here. Marvel Roby's cousin, Mage. <laughs> but yeah it, it's a, it's a nice enough set um it's got a nice purple thing going on purple is always good it's, it's a particular vibe if you want the kind of mage vibe this is yep. it you've and got your mage vibe right here and it's available like like we said for traders tender so if you've been getting yep. a bunch of traders tender and not yep, really not, having not, it, not, not, it's, it's not uh, Oh, it comes with Trader's Tender. It oh, comes with Trader's Tender. I misread though, that. Okay. Though also, there is a staff in this month's trading post that matches this transmog that cost 500 Trader's Tender, which is also the amount of Trader's Tender you happen to get if you buy this armor set. So it's like you get Trader's Tender, but kind of, if you want to complete the look, you kind of don't get Trader's Tender. So I'm not, I don't know what I think about this. I think it's not played, so um, I'm a little <laughs> bit less interested. But I believe yeah, there's also a, there's also trading post rewards that have class theme pieces, right? Uh, you yeah. mentioned paladins, priests, and rogues this time. Yeah, this month is paladins, priests, and rogues. And uh, honestly, I, I I'm not super into the paladin set. I think it's kind of ugly. But it's like it's a weird set of pieces. It's like a uh, helm and shoulder and belt. Yeah, and it's like oh okay. Oh, looking okay. at it, I, I don't think the shoulders are ugly. I mean, the problem I have with them is I don't know of much that would match them. Yeah. Like, it would be hard to match problem. this because it's gold, red, and black. And as a result, I don't think it would work with, like, even blood. If you were, like, playing a blood elf and you wanted to be, like, a blood elf paladin, I don't think these shoulders would go with much. Um, maybe they'd go with some of the set pieces from um, the Dungeon Before Ice Crown that I can't remember its name at the moment. But Trial of the, of the Crusader. There we go. Thank you. So, yeah. And there's some cool weapons and stuff, but... Yeah, I can see that not really being easy to match. The priest one has face tentacles. Like it looks I like mean, you're wearing a face, like a, one of those face hugger things, just wearing it as a hat. 
Sometimes um, you want to do face tentacles. I don't know. I mean, that's not my that, vibe. But listen, sometimes, you, vibe. sometimes you just want to be hugged. For I guess to yeah, your face in a nice warm hug. The robe piece, the robe piece is like kind of interesting too because it, it's another one with interesting coloration. It's also going with that red and black thing, the red, black, and gold. Yeah. So, but yeah, it, it looks a little bit more roguey. I just it's interesting to see this that you've got these like shoulder helmet and uh, belt sets that they're putting out that you can get for like total amounts of tr- of trades tender. You also get armament stuff. The paladin, like for instance, the paladin priest and uh, rogue thing, also have like art, like weapons. They have an, a 500 traders tender weapon pack that goes with them. So for the paladin, you get the hammer of the light avenger, the kite of the light avenger, and the club of the light avenger, which is a two-handed mace, a shield, and a one-handed mace. For the priests, you get a one-handed mace, an offhand, and a staff. And for rogues, you get a one-hand sword, a dagger, and another dagger. Um, sorry rogues you should have got a fist weapon or something you just don't don't you a variety <laughs> not sure where that is but regardless it is it's just interesting because it's like you've also got the the set pieces that we were talking about so yeah it's, it's pretty cool and there's also a bunch of ensembles that you can also get for traders tender you don't have to buy them um these these are ones that you just trade traders tenders for there's the swashbuckling uh buccaneer slops which we've already mentioned there's, earlier there's definitely a yeah. no that's a different one the that's one a, in the trading post is a it is the other one is like the dashing bucket oh slops. you're right you are right so it's so you've got a twitch drop pirate inso- ensemble and also a trading post pirate ensemble with uh they're basically the same but with different colors and you know we are all transmog beans so collecting things in every possible color it just makes it's it kind easier. Of important. If you if you, <laughs> you want to like make a matching up set, like I mentioned before, it'd be hard to match that paladin set. The only thing I can think of is there's a paladin themed gear from uh, the Trial of the Crusader for a horde, just for horde, not for alliance. That kind of has that color scheme. So that's the only thing I can think of that would really match it. Mm. Oh, but I should mention this: uh, you can get two Torin totems that you can but wear. Those are cool. You can just if you're playing a Torin, you can get yourself totems that you can wear or you can get like a celestial wyvern have you guys seen the celestial wyvern yeah it's a pet yeah but it's 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 adorable i mean look at the little guy it's the (laughs) cutest wyvern you're ever going to see in game uh certainly cuter than the giant crab that you apparently unless you really like crabs i mean i mean we already we already have a horse made of stars so it only makes sense to eventually eventually get a wyvern made of stars yes and and that even time is now. A, even though it's a pet and not a mount, which is kind of disappointing, but it's still it's still super cool. And I'm gonna buy it. It's gonna be mine. I'm gonna make friends with this tiny constellation wyvern. Yeah, and there's no reason you shouldn't. Uh, but it, yeah, it's there's a fair amount of stuff. Um, it, as is always the case for the trading post. I've you know really not been paying a lot lately. Again, Diablo Four really messed up my gameplay schedule. <laughs> I'm still. It's like it just took everything over for like months. Yeah, um, that's me in Baldur's Gate 3 right now. Well, that's the problem. In Baldur's Gate 3 and now Starfield and you know, Train of Liberty's coming I, out. And it's like my brain yeah. is like, I must play six games at once or I will die. Oh, and but another, if I attempt to do this, I will also die. And another one for me because they just uh, see a stars just released as well. And it is like, oh, yeah, it is a spiritual successor to Chrono Trigger. And I am. It is amazing. But that's that's neither here nor there. But we should also mention that there's a new event uh, for Hearthstone. Which is focused on twist mode, which uh, which came out last week, I believe. Twist mode. Yeah, yeah. It was 
it was beta testing for a while and yes it officially came out yeah because that's what we do now is we have releases of things but they're not really the release <laughs> but they're essentially the release yeah it's it, it's it's a fun world we live in you never know uh, if something's still in beta <laughs> it's a mystery Hearthstone itself Vent. was in Hearthstone itself was in beta for like a really long time i forget yeah. how long but it was like beta forever but we should talk mm -hmm. about the Battle of Encourage event. Uh, I don't know much about it, but I know it is an event. It's in Twist. Uh, it's, uh... By going through, playing through the event, I'm going to read from the uh, article that Phil wrote. Um, by playing through the event, you can earn up to six packs for expansions you can use in Twist, as well as two pairs of signature cards for fan favorite cards of the past. You can find the Battle of Encourage event in your journal by clicking on the button on the bottom left corner of the main screen of the game next to the shop. So I have not done this yet. I don't, Liz, you probably haven't either. I have not had a chance to start it, but I mean, it's, uh, if you like playing Twist and Twist is basically Hearthstone, but with variant rules, it has its own little divergent rule set that's going to cycle through different Twist seasons. Um, I mean, if you enjoy it, this is a way to get a bunch of packs. And these are packs you aren't going to be able to use in standard mode because they're, they're not, you know, they're not in the current standard rotation. So they're really just for playing Twist and playing Wild. Enjoy those game modes. Uh, but, you know, if you want to grab these, it's it's kind of a standard Hearthstone. They've, they've kind of developed a model for events where you go in and you have daily quests and you have uh, a quest chain that you go through and you just uh, earn experience, prove the event, and unlock rewards as you go. So if you play Hearthstone semi-regularly and you don't hate playing Twist... You'll be able to get through this pretty easily, I expect. Usually they're easy as long as you like actually focus on doing them and you aren't like me and get like two thirds of the way through them and then forget they exist and don't play for a week and then the event is over. So don't don't do that. But if you want to get these rewards, uh, play the game and be mindful of when the event ends because you usually can't like zerg through it at the last minute. Yeah, usually it takes a little longer for the uh, But I'm looking at what we have left to discuss before we attempt to get on. We've actually got at least three things. So first up, uh, Diablo 3 Season 28 is ending on the 10th. So next week uh, and not very far away. It's five days from us as we're recording that. So it will be so early close. next week. Um, and then, so Sunday it'll end. And then on the 15th, people are saying that we might get Season 28 start, which is interesting. Uh, but that, I mean, that's... You know, that's our best guess. Blizzard yeah. hasn't actually announced, but that's kind of their typical schedule. Yeah, See, either it's it's either five or twelve days after the end of yeah. the previous because it's either during the week of the previous the previous season ended because the previous season is going to end on the tenth. That's Sunday, so mm -hmm. the fifteenth is Friday. So it's basically if if it goes the way it's been going, that would be the most likely date for the next season. If they don't make it to that Friday, they usually roll over to the next Friday, which is another seven days. Thus, you get either five or 12 days. Um, I, I used to write a lot of posts about when seasons were starting <laughs> and ending. So, yeah, that's burned into my head. Mm, but, yeah, yeah season, season 28 is the one that we're currently on with the uh, Altar of Rights. That will be going away at the end of season 28, but it will be returning in season 30. However, season 29 is a completely different uh, series of things happening. We've covered it before on the site. It's it's got some interesting stuff. For example, um, one of the things is a completely revamped Paragon system. Uh, another is a completely new solo play for running through the season, where you don't literally don't interact with anybody else. You don't play with other people. Uh, you don't do any multiplayer at all. You just play 
your seasonal character by yourself. Um, and that's something that people have wanted for a long time. And so now it's been added as of season 28. And finally, um, the one thing I always keep forgetting is what the actual season theme does. Because there's so much <laughs> stuff happening that the season theme is something I'm not remembering very well. It's weirdly hard to remember the season theme for for Diablo 3 season 29 because, like, the Paragon revamp is so interesting that they're yeah. kind of totally overhauling the Paragon system to make it a tiny bit more like Diablo 4's what I feel. I certainly um, don't think that I certainly don't think they're trying to make it less like Diablo 4. Let's put it that way. <laughs> So the real question is, does any of us, does anyone here actually remember the season theme for Diablo 3 season 29? I do not, but I'm searching for it so that I can answer that question at some point. <laughs> I, I will freely admit that no, because instead of doing that, I made another character in Baldur's Gate 3. Yes. Oh, yeah. Diabolical Fishers, which is another thing. Yes, that we talked about really, this. Yes. Really uh, weird to say. It's, Why yeah, do they keep doing this? Because it's it's kind of I I feel like this is the influence of of the Dark Souls games where yeah. like there's bosses that have names like you know the hideous abscess and you're like oh <laughs> wow thanks guys um, but but yeah it's basically the one I, I talked about before being like Matryoshka dolls where you as you're fighting throughout Sanctuary um, you kill a bunch of demons and eventually the essence of the demons co- collects together and rips open a diabolical fissure in the world and you step through. And you're now fighting in this weird demonic hellscape where there's more stuff that can hurt you. And then if you kill a bunch of demons inside that, another fissure can open while you're inside the first fissure and you can go through that one. So it's kind of like a weird sort of Nephilim rifty type experience, but one that has escalating difficulty because you keep going in and there's more stuff that you can hurt you because that's, you know, the whole deal. So yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how that plays out, but that one there's no official date on that. We think it's going to be the fifth, but that covers pretty much. Well, you got something for Diablo three? I just if it's not the fifteenth, it's going to be pretty close after. Yeah, that's it, uh, almost Diablo three season twenty nine. Visions of Imnity is what it's yeah. actually called, and yeah. it is. It really is bizarrely strange how easy it is to forget that with so many so many changes coming. Yeah, in they, they, they're putting a lot in season 29. So it is not mm-hmm. tremendously surprising that you might be like, oh, and yeah, we also we also got a Blance demonic boils or something. I, I, I don't know, something <laughs> demonic, something bad. Uh, but yeah, in addition to that, um, which is pretty interesting, we've also got Diablo 4. Um, we just got done with the the extra experience weekend. And obviously, I only got to play it for a couple of days, but I did manage to get some experience. Like I said, I managed to finish the uh, the campaign story, which is like, you know, yay. Um, but I, I really do feel like Diablo four should, should have just said, this is our experience thing. Now, uh, it, it really does feel like it needs help in that regard, but we do know, um, that we're going to get annual expansions. Like we know that they're working on at least two and they're supposed to be annual expansions. So we should get one, I would say by next year. And then the, I was presumably one the year after, um, which is, we knew they were working on two, but we didn't actually have anything about when they would be coming out or how often the expansions were meant to be. So I mean, look at previous Diablo games. Diablo two had one expansion. Diablo three had one expansion and both of those expansions came out a year or two after the game's initial release. Mm -hmm. And the games continued on for decades afterwards. Diablo two has definitely been decades. Diablo three has only been a little more than a decade, but that's still a really long time to go without, you know, expansion content. Yeah, the, the and- Diablo 3 did attempt to do little things, 
yeah, like the Necromancer pack and throwing in little little side pieces, but it definitely didn't get anything like an expansion. So yeah, they were working on one. Mm-hmm. They actually were working on one for after Reaper of Souls, and they thought once Reaper of Souls did as well as it did because it sold crazy. People forget mm-hmm. how how well that thing sold. But at that point, um, Activision didn't want an expansion, so it didn't happen. I honestly, this would be the first time. Like, I think the original Diablo had an expansion that didn't even get released. Yes, that is correct. That the, was the, not Hellfire. It was Hellfire. It was the Hellfire yeah, expansion. Hellfire. I mean, Hellfire. I mean, Hellfire did get released, but wasn't it not made by Blizzard? Yes. Like it's non-canonical. Yeah. Yes. Uh, they were actually working on one that didn't get released, and then the ideas for it got turned into Hellfire, which is the one that had the original Bard. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. And it had the original Barbarian. So if you count the Hellfire expansion, which you don't, no one does. Um, but mm-hmm. if you did count it, Barbarians have been in every um, Diablo game because they were in Diablo, the original Diablo in that expansion. Mm-hmm. Yep. But we don't count it because, as Liz pointed out, not only because it was made by a different company, but because it just suddenly throws in brand new demon lords out of nowhere. Car- and they never get mentioned or whatever. Again. Yeah, he never gets mentioned again because I feel, feel like people at Blizzard North are like, well, who is that guy? Just, just forget it. There was also a... Sierra. It was made by Sierra. Yeah, Sierra. That's what I was thinking, and that's just so strange well, that suddenly was it Sierra? It was Sierra. That's, yeah. that's Publi- what's in no, my they, head. It was published by Sierra Online. It was Synergistic, which was a division of Sierra. Okay, so yeah, Sierra. Yeah, I'm not going to go into that much detail. <laughs> I had to look that's it up because I was all confused. I guess I did, there was a canceled. Uh, there was a canceled expansion for Diablo three too. Yeah, we, we we talked about that. Yes. Um, but also, I mean. Heck, there was an entire Diablo 3 that was canceled, and then another Diablo 3 got made instead, which we've talked about <laughs> before. So, yeah, Diablo's got trouble with stuff coming out. So uh, let's not talk about how Diablo Immortal was, like, basically, you know, when is it going to happen? We don't know. <laughs> For, like, a quite a while. But, so, yeah, D- Diablo 4 is going to have two expansions that we know of, and possibly more, and the two that we know of are supposed to be annual. If, um, they're, if they're going annual, that... And the game lasts as long as like Diablo three lasts. That could mean we're getting a whole lot of expansions. Um, I mean, quite frankly, I'm waiting to see Blizzard actually produce two expansions in two years. Yeah, because I mean, in my lifetime, that has never happened. <laughs> uh, I say this as a World of Warcraft fan, and I say this as a World of Warcraft fan who doesn't necessarily mind that it takes like two years for an expansion to come out. But nevertheless. It does. Go on and see fast expansions. Go look at EverQuest. They've had like 30. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I have two concerns here. One is like, that is just such a super fast expansion cycle. Is this mm-hmm. going to mean, are are we just killing developers trying to hit this fast advance, this really speedy cycle? Or will these expansions be kind of skimpy because they're rolling them out so fast? I mean, or, yeah, that is concerned, yeah. Or... Does this just mean we have to pay fifty more dollars per year for an expansion to keep playing Diablo Four and to keep up with the story? So we have four battle passes a year. They've talked about these seasonal battle passes once a quarter that cost uh, fifteen dollars if you want to play, do the paid battle pass. The typical price for a video game expansion is fifty or sixty bucks, and even more if you want a fancy collector's edition with more cool digital rewards. So I'm thinking this I- could make. Diablo really pricey. Maybe it depends, right? Uh, so we don't know mm-hmm. what the model is going to be for it. So if they follow yeah. something like, so Path of Exile has a ton of expansions, right? So like in 
uh, let's see, last year there was what four. This year there's already been two. Like, and they're smaller than what you would actually consider a traditional expansion, maybe. But they still add new content. They add new things and and such. And for a while, Path of Exile is uh, was hailed as better than Diablo for a lot of reasons. One of which is the cadence of uh, that it was updated. Um, there's a lot of games that do that. So the question is: is one, how big are the updates and or or expansions? And two, uh, are they going to be priced at a point like other games that are doing annual or biannual expansion content for action RPGs? So I'm curious to see how this works out. Yeah, I mean, for right now, all we all we know is what they've told us, and we don't really have the ability to do more than speculate. But it is interesting to see if they get that. I mean, because as we were saying that, I, you have to admit that Blizzard seems to have really gotten better at just releasing things. They have. I they, mean, look at look um, at look at the last expansion mm-hmm. for WoW. Yeah, it's been mm-hmm. it's been nonstop content. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, we should point out that something that some games call ex- things expansions that Blizzard would call you know content updates yeah yeah Yeah. like i mean we think about like we've gotten new dungeons we've gotten new new world zones to explore we've gotten events on those world zones those kind of things often come out in other games as expansions like those 20 something everquest expansions a lot of them are smaller than patch 10.1.7 it's just i mean they sometimes they will also have something like new playable characters still it, it is it's an amorphous thing and we don't Diablo expansions are a completely different beast because we've literally never seen a second one for a single Diablo game. They've never gotten another expansion after the first one. So the expansion doesn't necessarily feel like an expansion the way that we think of an expansion. It feels like this is now the game. The game has changed. This is how it now plays and nothing Mm -hmm. else is ever going to change that. So you'll never think of it as, you know, it's not like you think of burning crusade then going into wrath of Lich King and it's a different thing. It's just one and done. So yeah, we don't we don't know how it's going to feel. Um, also, Path of Exile was never all that great. <laughs> I needed to upset some people. It was actually a very, but I just liked. Uh, honestly, still to this day, I'm thinking that the Warhammer was possibly the best uh, ARPG of its generation. Really hmm. good. Um, but oh, and of course, you know the Baldur's Gate, uh, Dark Alliance game. The, none of this is really anything to do with anything. Why am I? Why am I doing this? <laughs> uh, but that covers that. So we, I think we now basically we are done with top stories. Uh, we're almost out of time yeah so we've got time for one question Uh, i'm gonna do the usual thing where i tell you all that you can you can email us with your questions at podcast at blizzardwatch.com uh and with the subject line podcast at blizzardwatch so we know it's for the show if you want to send it to say lore watch you would put lore watch in there so you know joe and i know which show it's for um also you can go to our discord and you can use the uh the Q and podcast questions channel for non-patrons because, you know, we love you guys too. You, you are just as important to us. Please tell everyone to listen to our stuff and read our posts and all that good stuff that, that makes it so we continue to do, to bring you all. Uh, but if you are a patron, we also love that. Thank you. It, it really does help. So there's the patron Q and podcast questions channel as well on our discord. And you can ask in either if you happen to be, uh, all right. Um, I'm going to try and break Harsbro's, Harsbo's uh, question down because it's real long. Yeah, when we first saw it, I thought that was from Hasbro, and I was very concerned. Yeah, <laughs> Hasbro, we're sending the Pinkertons. Um, 
Who's Diablo 4 is it going to be? Uh, it's been fascinating and interesting to follow your discussions on how Diablo 4 has landed itself in this awkward place between the ARPG genre and the WoW-style MMO genre. Along with your podcast, I've been following the debate mainly in the ARPG community, Diablo 2 and Path of Exile. Um, by aiming to invite everyone in, it seems Blizzard has ended up disappointing everyone. RPG-focused players are disappointed they cannot to their main character. Hack-and-slash players are disappointed with the, the, sh- the shallow late-game systems. Um, consisting that it has mainly been the loud minority of hardcore hack-and-slash players that Blizzard has reacted to with the uh, fireside chats, should we expect that it is those players they will have in mind when developing the game going forward? In other words, will they give up on the initial uh, ambition of creating a successful combination of the open world and ARPG genres in order to focus on a core hack-and-slash target audience? What are your thoughts? Well, uh, let's... I'll say uh, we'll go with Joe first. Okay. So here's my, I don't know. So this is just an opinion and I want to make sure I preface that. Um, I don't think they're going to change what they're trying to do to cater to one individual group of people, because that is, I hate to say it like this, but it's usually the death knell for a game, right? Imagine a world in which wow was only ever catered to the hardcore Raiders that game it would not have been as successful as it is. It would not continue to be as successful as it is. It would alienate a large amount of their player base, lose a ton of money, and probably would have shuttered by now. And we complain, like, I know people complain that there's too much to do in WoW, but that's kind of the point. There's something for everyone. Most ARPGs don't have something for everyone. There isn't something for the people that like to play with their friends. There isn't something people for like immersive single player stories. There isn't something for, you know, people that want really core grindy uh, action combat it, uh, all in the same place. It's one of those things usually that they specialize on. Like we could talk about uh, Victor Fron, an action ARPG that everybody forget exists for whatever reason. But was very good in my opinion, but it focused more on story than it did being a hack and slash game. And that wasn't for everybody, but everybody who liked stories in their ARPGs really enjoyed that game. Um, mm-hmm. The the core of Diablo 2 was very hack and slashy, right? It was very grindy and people who liked it, that's what made it a success. Uh, there's elements of it in, you know, there's these pieces individually do okay but they don't do fantastic and subscriber numbers or player numbers tend to dwindle. Diablo four, on the other hand has something for everybody. It has that, that hack and slash mentality. You can go in and ignore the the hell out of that story and just go and beat up some demons and grind for loot and do hell tides and uh, do whatever you could go in and do the seasonal content and get a little more story. Uh, if you want to be that the person that creates a character from scratch and goes through, you can do that. Like, I think they're going to try to keep that as much as possible because it opens up the game for all these people that maybe wouldn't try an ARPG before or, you know, maybe have been put off by the way Diablo 3 was because people I've heard people say Diablo 3 was too fast. Um, or maybe they're trying to, you know, get some people that maybe never looked at ARPGs because they were like, MMOs are more a jam. But now you put those social aspects in and all of a sudden it becomes a little more enticing. I I think it's that's its entire purpose is to be the best mass market ARPG that it can. And I don't think they're going to give that up. I don't think they're going to give that up anytime soon. I don't think they're going to listen to the hardcore hack and slashers. They're not going to listen to people like us uh, that keep demanding more story. 
I mean, they're going to give us more story probably, but it's not going to be like we want. I mean, I know Matt and I fiend for it. Uh, so yeah, that's just my opinion. I don't think they're going to change anything. You say that, but Liz and Lillery has a whiteboard with the Diablo 4 story and all these lines drawn through it. I'm telling you, every time she talks about it, I'm like the Charlie Day gif, so there's no way. Uh, Liz, do you, what do you think? I mean, I, I think they can do both. We've already seen them respond to player feedback and not just feedback of hardcore players. Some of it's been feedback from hardcore players, like they're redoing resistances, which, you know, a lot of the very serious Diablo players said were, you know, stupid and just didn't make sense and didn't work and weren't impactful in the game. But they're also doing things like, okay, when seasons were first announced, you weren't going to carry over anything. You would be starting totally from scratch. You wouldn't have any. And then Blizzard heard player feedback and they were like, okay, you'll carry over some things. You'll carry over your Altars of Lilith and your map exploration. So that's something. And now for Season 2, we know you're going to carry over all of your Renown gains. Everything you've gained on your main character, you'll have on your seasonal So I think they are listening to both casual audiences and more hardcore audiences. I think they're paying attention. And I think they're interested in, as Joe was saying, making a game that makes lots of different groups of players happy and that they can enjoy. I think they can add more substantial late game systems, which could be fun for both hardcore players and casual players. I know that I, as kind of a, a story-driven RPG person, am, you know, I, I hit level 50, I finish the camp, feels like suddenly it's a totally different game, grindier, harder to get into. But maybe if there were more systems to engage in that weren't just purely grinding, maybe I would be more interested. Maybe I would be more encouraged to play. And then Maybe also, you know, the late game isn't for me. Maybe the late game isn't for people who are looking for that story-driven RPG gameplay. Maybe, you know, you play through the campaign, you play a little after that, and then you decide to bail and you come back for that next annual expansion mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because we know those are going to have substantial chunks of story. And maybe it's like the Diablo 3 crowd who really enjoyed that seasonal gameplay of Diablo 3. Maybe they're the ones that are going to jump into those seasons and be really invested in creating a new season and rising on the le on the leaderboards, which of course Diablo 4 does not have yet, but they've said will be coming. So I can see how different aspects of this, they don't fit together very well. They haven't been fitting together very neatly, but I can see how different aspects of this appeal to totally different types of players. And maybe not everything in Diablo 4 is for me, or for anyone. And, like and there's I, something for everyone. And I will say, like, one thing I think is different here than Diablo 3 is I don't feel bad dropping out and then dropping back in. Like, I feel like there's stuff for me to still do, whereas Diablo 3, I felt like there was no reason for me to go back once I finished everything. Right? So, like, I stopped. I stopped after, like, the first couple seasons. I never went back because it was just kind of boring for me because it was just there was nothing else. Mm -hmm. Once the expansion was over, there was no more story. Seasons didn't add anything besides, like, random goals, and that really wasn't what I was looking for. But in Diablo, like, I feel, Diablo 4, I feel like if I come back later, there's stuff for me to experience, whether it's in whatever the active season is or maybe a future content patch. Like, and the campaign is good enough that, like, I will play through that campaign multiple times. I did not care to play through the campaign of Diablo 3, right? Like, true. like Diablo 3's campaign felt like a slog. This... Diablo's mm. 4 campaign, on the other hand, felt compelling. It had good writing, good voice acting, great cinematics. You know, you felt involved in the world and the story. Like, that drew me in. And so, like, 
even if I get bored with the other 8,000 games that I'm currently trying to play and I feel like or, or get that, that, that itch where I, I need to scratch it with Diablo, I'll start a new character and do the campaign over from scratch and I'll feel just mm-hmm. as satisfied, right? I've already done this once. So, yeah, sorry, I just wanted to jump in there again. <laughs> Matt? I'm just yeah. going to throw in. I'm going to throw in something. I'm going to do something that neither of them has done, and I'm going to give you the cynical answer. Oh, it's usually my they job. They like money. I mean, that's true. There right? are only yeah. for every hardcore player, there are 50 more casual players, and there's a spectrum of how casual those casual. The more people they can get to engage, the more money they can and. For all the hardcore players who are complaining about systems not being deep or fulfilling enough, how do they know that? Because they're playing. <laughs> and that means as long as they're not going to stop, Blizzard can safely ignore that. But casual players will stop playing much quicker if there's not something for them to do. Therefore, there is no impetus for them to just start trying to chase the hardcore demographic. This is not a game with whales like the, everything you can get for like money for real life real world money is cosmetic are hardcore players going to go nuts trying to get the, all the cosmetic looks no so there's no financial incentive to chase now does this mean that they don't care what those people say absolutely not because they are free press and free press is amazing you don't even have to pay for the publicity they'll just get on a forum and start talking about your game well yeah but they're complaining about it are they mentioning the game while Mm -hmm. they complain about it oh yeah constantly that's all we need so that's me that's matt that's matt's super cynical take as long as this beast generates engagement it generates people playing the game playing it online playing it you know and talking about it with each other as long as that's happening Blizzard will stick to the course that they've designed for this to be what's happening. And it's always going to be the case that we want to keep as many people playing as possible, not just because they'll pay us for the game and pay us for cosmetics and all that stuff, but because they provide us with free PR. They are the method by which we get people. They're, they're not just selling things to you. Always remember this, whether it's World of Warcraft, whether it's Hearthstone, whether it's Overwatch, whether it's Diablo, They're not just selling stuff to you. They are selling you. The community of these games is a selling point. And you are that community. The bigger the community is, the more force it has behind them. The more of a force multiplier it is to get other people invested in it. You're the product. They're absolutely not going to mess with that. They want more players. So no, they're not going to just start chasing the hardcore market. And and I'm gonna just interject real quick to take some edge off the cynicism. More players is good for us in the long term because it means oh, the yeah. game will stick around, right? But like, but I'm we, just talking about corporate decisions. Yeah, I love having more people play the game. That is absolutely great, and I like playing the game. I also really enjoy seeing a lot of players in towns. Like even just idling in a town feels like okay. I don't because we're we're really coming out of, like it's done with time, but I really want to put this out there because I think it's a, an interesting uh, note. One of the things I liked about Final Fantasy XIV wasn't actually Final Fantasy XIV's gameplay, which was nice and, and everything else, but it was sitting in the main hub towns and seeing all the people. Like, being yeah. a bard and having my MIDI controller hooked up and playing my guitar through my MIDI controller, having it work inside of the, the game, then seeing other bards show up and start playing along with me, or, like, 
all the random things that felt it made the world feel alive in Diablo four compared to the other Diablos. When you're in a town and you see other online players, it feels alive. It feels a lot more of an inhabited world. Literally, it, as Joe said that someone ran in and started using the transmog thing. Yeah. So like standing here in the end and someone ran in just as Joe said, but like it, 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 it makes it feel a lot better than like, cause that's one thing I will say about like Diablo two and Diablo three is the towns feel empty. Even though there's NPCs there, it still feels empty to me. So like seeing the people play, having more people in there, I think it just immerses me more in the experience. Okay. I think um, unless Liz, you have anything else you want to add? No. Cause I, I know I stole some of your cynical thunder there. And I, <laughs> I, I am also cynical. I'm just not as good at expressing it. Um, <laughs> but regardless, I think we're just going to wrap it up. Um, this is where I, I look at Joe again with my pleading puppy dog eyes. Yep. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast signing community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads free site experience. Uh, thank you much, Joe. Um, also, thank you to Liz for being here, and thank you to all of you for being here, because otherwise it would be me sitting in my office by myself just ranting, <laughs> and I'm, I've been told that that's disturbing. Um, but this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. Uh, thank you guys very much for being here. Uh, we will be back next week. If you have a question for the podcast, you can send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. If you have an email, you can put a uh, podcast or Blizzard Watch in the email subject line so we know it's for the show. Or you can go to our Discord, and we've got both the Q and Podcast Questions channel for non-patrons and the podcast, you know, Q, patron Q and Podcast Questions channel. I eventually got it out for patrons, and you can ask us questions in either of those as well. Um, you can also DM me on Discord or even Joe or Liz, but I don't know how often we'll respond, guys. A lot of stuff goes on in a day. So, yeah, that, that's there, but, you know, don't don't get upset if we don't see it. Uh, but we do also frequent those channels. Liz is in uh, the Patreon Q and Podcast Question channel a lot. So I don't respond usually, but I am in there as well. And, like, if you need me to have eyes on something for, like, Lore Watch, do an at, at me in one of those channels, please. Yeah, absolutely. Joe is a fiend. He's amazing at catching that stuff. Uh, but thank you guys for being here and for being the audience that allows us to do all this. Uh, we'll be back next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.